Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I, think, I feel like it's another ass comment, but... Jason Jason just called you on your bluff, and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Aldwin. We have been away, I guess, for a week, although we pre-recorded some content. I would love to know what people thought of that episode. <laughs> I, wa- I listened to it while I was walking Bruno, and maybe it's just my inflated ego, but I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> maybe we are the only ones that think we're funny. So just send us some external validation, people, and let us yeah. know whether we're funny or not. <laughs> yes, please. It's always helpful and inspires us to continue doing this. I... I did not listen to last week's episode, although I did listen to it a little bit, obviously, to do uh, the teaser that I did. But I regularly um, (laughs) laugh out loud when I am either doing the teasers or listen to a full episode. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I guess, you know. I think we're talented. (laughs) (laughs) Not to toot our own horns or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There were a lot of players this week in the last two weeks who have, um, I would say, showed us their talent and potential. (laughs) Uh, In tennis? In or, tennis. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, listen, the breadth of tennis that we have to cover in this episode gives me mild anxiety because you're right. There's so much to cover and so much good tennis to cover. But um, yeah, I like that segue, babe. Yeah. Where should we start? I think you want to talk <laughs> about a player who likes winning the last couple months (laughs) i mean what player doesn't like winning that's true (laughs) um well we've talked about him many times that player that doesn't really care about winning but all right we will keep him nameless (laughs) yeah and talking about a player that i'm going to keep nameless so here we go as you all know any female player that i choose to be the winner of a tournament ultimately ends up losing. (laughs) Mugu has been that victim for me. Mugu, I mean, who else can I think of? I mean, Mugu really is the person that comes to mind over the past year and a half, who I have said over and over again is going to win this slam, that 500 tournament, that premier level, etc. So the player that I want to start off with is a woman that I am never, am not going to name until she wins the finals in Guadalajara, the WTA Finals in Guadalajara, and also the Australian Open. So this is my campaign to support this Estonian player who is on frickin' fire right now, winning in Moscow and then recently winning in Transylvania. And um, yeah, I'm just not gonna, I'm just gonna not name her name because we we know what happens. (laughs) How are we gonna do this? How are we gonna talk about her amazing play and not mention her name? I'm just going to say the player that shall not be named. Okay, the player from (laughs) Estonia. The player that we tag often who sees our stories. Exactly, her. 
So you did not mention Mugu last week or the week before, but she's still lost handily <laughs> to this woman in in Russia. I mean, saying that she lost handily is a gross understatement. <laughs> she lost to the player that shall not be named one and one. I don't know if it was the third or fourth round or quarterfinal. It really doesn't matter. I mean, she got smashed and trashed like a day-old pumpkin <laughs> that one might have put out for Halloween, you know, and, you know, a couple of grade eight kids passing by are just like, this pumpkin's done. And they just like are killing it on the street. She, after that loss to the player that shall remain nameless had to pick up the pieces of her life from the court because she just was demolished on that day. Yeah. I have to say, when I'm scrolling through the IG and the tournaments are on on a weekly basis and I see the graphic, I think it's like Tennis TV or Tennis Channel or something, and they put up this graphic that says upset and they show the player that was upset very sad looking you know they did it with Pass this week and they <laughs> did it with Mugu but I feel like there needs to be another term when a higher rank player loses to a lower rank player because in this particular instance the player that shall not be named was <laughs> probably more of a favorite just based solely on how well she was playing compared to Mugu yeah, 100%. I mean, this woman won in Cleveland. She won in, oh man, here's my memory. She's won three times, I believe, this year. Four. And four times. Well, yeah. three times before that tournament win. So is it a surprise? Not really. Um, I'm trying to search for an appropriate word to use instead of upset. Maybe our, you know, new followers. <laughs> Hi, all you new followers today on IG. Can... um. <laughs> slide into our dms and give us a give us a suggestion yeah because i feel like people must also be thinking the same way we are when th that kind of graphic shows up it's like no and we've commented on this before when we've seen players you know and those kinds of graphics show up that say upset it's like no that wasn't really an upset no i could have predicted that was going to happen um what else was i going to say this this player who shall not be named she must be pleased not only with her play but the quality of the trophies okay why get out of my head <laughs> bitch get out of my head why does she always win at tournaments where the trophy is some kind of phallic symbol it's like a bong or it's like a dildo <laughs> i mean and like you know you kind of have to do the customary pose when you win and you have to kiss the trophy so there's a lot of now trophy pictures of this Estonian woman kissing like trophies that look like dongs. <laughs> <laughs> this week's trophy was was a little bit better. And I think I don't know about the Kremlin one. I can't remember what that one looked like. But I do remember us making fun of the Cleveland trophy win and her seeing us make fun of that. Um, <laughs> the tournament was called Tennis in the Land. I don't know what that particular name <laughs> means for a, a tournament in Cleveland, but uh, the trophies have have improved as has her ranking, and now her um, entry into the year-end championships. Yeah. Okay. Let's set this up for everyone. So this player that shall remain nameless 
uh, entered Cluj Napoca. Someone comment or send us a message. This is the city in Romania. I'm not sure whether the region is part of Transylvania. I don't know whether Transylvania is a city. The fact that there is a tournament in Transylvania during Halloween week is amazing. Spooky. Spooky, I know. Like, why didn't they play on that with, like, jack-o'-lanterns on the court or, like, the ball girls and boys dressing as vampires? You know what I mean? Like, every sort of prime number game, maybe turn out the lights. (laughs) Hold on, wait. Every prime number Is that a spooky thing? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But turn out the lights uh, on the match. It was pretty dark in that that indoor (laughs) arena anyway. So, you know, turn out the lights, make it a little bit more interesting or, like, have, you know, flashes of scary, spooky sounds. Yeah, or, you know, on players entrances play monster mash or like um what's the famous michael jackson song thriller yeah uh you know uh, yeah thriller yeah yeah you could do that um anyway going back to the player that shall remain nameless she entered this tournament with the longest possible shot at making the uh qualifications for guadalajara which is the wta year-end tournament her buddy over there on jabour who is just so cool and so chill and so funny you know jason and i are gonna just throw in their twitter thread that they had with each other (laughs) after this player that shall remain nameless won the tournament in transylvania and ons was just pretty much sitting up in her room you know just filing her nails looking on not amazon maybe like more luxurious website like what dress am i gonna wear to the wta final she's like "Ooh, neiman marcus girl let's hit it up alexander wang (laughs) yes and she's like you know okay who's gonna do my hair and this player that remained nameless just swooped in and took it from under her feet like what the f she said -uh. -uh." (laughs) nah nah Nuh-uh-uh. Uh-uh, Nuh-uh-uh. Not today. Not, not today. Not today, sweetie. Yeah. I, I am the player that shall not be named. <laughs> and I am taking your gown and I am taking your crown. Yeah. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, you might think that in a professional sport, you can't have friendships and you can't have friendly banter between players. But you all have to check out this Twitter thread before between this Estonian player and Ons. I'm doing a good job, Emmentai, like mm-hmm. not naming her because I want to name her so bad. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Ons says to her, you know, um, she posts a picture of her strangling her. <laughs> I mean, how she had a picture of her strangling her, who, how, who knows? But it was there. And she says, you know, you can use my dress because you're going to need it. You've been too busy winning matches. And, uh, you know, but I'm going to see you there anyway in God Lahar because she's obviously the alternate. Yeah. So, cool. so, yeah, exciting. Tell me your thoughts on the game style of the player that shall not be named. What oh. What is causing her this sort of turnaround of her season? Like she lost five matches in a row, you know, from the end of June through, you know, she lost first round the Olympics, first round in Montreal, first round Western Mm. and Southern to her buddy. Mm. And now she has won 26 of 28 matches. You know, I think it started in Cleveland. I don't know that there's anything technical that you can really talk about in terms of her game. 
she is hitting with so much confidence and she's hitting the ball wherever the F she wants. I mean, she's being pulled out wide on her forehand and she's hitting screaming winners down the line. She hit like 25 billion of those against Halep in the final, (laughs) you know, and it's just when you're playing and you and I know this, Jay, like when you're playing with confidence, there is a belief that you can hit any shot from anywhere in the court. And that's just the streak that she's on right now. I mean, you talked a little bit about how different her stroke production is, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, she's just got a bit of a funky style, which <laughs> I don't know if, if that necessarily distracts players or, um, you know, causes people to be unsure about um, her game style or how to play against her. But I do think, particularly on her forehand, like you said, she can hit it wherever she wants. And she seems to be able to um, confuse players in terms of where she's hitting it. Mm-hmm. She, I mean, I mean, the elephant in the room is her grunt. Her grunt sounds like a sneeze. You know, she <laughs> should she should partner up with Kleenex for a sponsorship <laughs> because she will make bank on that, obviously. Um, but uh, at first, I thought her sneeze was a bit a bit off putting. But the more that I see her play, the more I think it's such a cool grunt. I mean, it's just a cute little <laughs> sneeze grunt. She's got her own signature. <laughs> that's for sure that is for sure <laughs> so th- my last question on the player that shall not be named now mm. she's just been playing a ton of matches th- th- almost 30 since the end of August don't you think a girl is tired like she's going <laughs> into the year end finals I would think she'd be tired but what do you think I, I mean obviously we can only speculate but the fire that she had in her eyes against Halep in Halep's home country, where Halep had a lot to prove because, you know, she hasn't had the most spectacular year, but has been finding her form over the past few tournaments. She went into that final and said, you're not going to win on your home turf, honey. Sorry about it. Sorry, Transylvania. Uh, You can go back to that spa and you can recoup that knee. Okay, that sounds really bitchy. She obviously didn't think that. (laughs) But, you know, she looked really thirsty and really committed. And um, I just have, I have a good feeling and omen for this player. An omen is a bad thing, so that's not right. So a good feeling for this player. Yeah, you don't want to jinx that. (laughs) No. I mean, maybe maybe your Instagram posts uh, a week or two ago has really helped propel her. And maybe it's okay to say her name. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not. I can't. I'm not. I'm not going there. I'm too nervous. I mean, I like like her too much to want to ruin her life. (laughs) (laughs) That is completely fair. She, um, you know, one thing I'll say before uh, I guess we move on is that she didn't drop a set in her win in Transylvania. Yeah, I mean, she won in Moscow the week before in a tough three-setter against Alexandrova, who is also playing on home turf. And um, she just looks better and better, you know? She's on fire. Fire. And her kit is dope. Like, her Lacoste kit is kind of cool. Yeah, she looks... I mean, she's cute. She's a plant mom. She's got a cool vibe. Um, I mean, she was cool before she was on this, what is it, 26 out of 28 match win streak? 
Yeah. Um, so we just want to see her continue. I'm that's my bet. I'm gonna give a preliminary bet on the winner of Guadalajara, and I'm gonna say it's this woman. Oh wow, that's yeah. cool. Well, I hope to get to watch the WTA finals in Guadalajara, <laughs> considering every time I try to log on to WTA TV, which <laughs> I have paid for, and I have a credit card statement to prove they have taken my $99.99, <laughs> every time I try to log in, and I have logged in, and I try to click on a video or a match, it tells me you need an account. <laughs> what the F, WTA TV? We should start a petition. Like, let's ask our uh, IG followers, Facebook followers, if anyone is uh, else is having that problem. Because, you know, we want to get our tennis in. We want to get our tennis viewing in. Yeah. Yeah, this tournament starts in a few days. So we need to figure this crap out. And the last time I tried to email WTA TV about <laughs> their platform, they were less than helpful. Yeah, they probably outsource the help to the Philippines. That's the reason why, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Where they do all of the call centers. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Well, what? who else do you want to talk about? I think you had a couple other ladies you wanted to talk about. Okay. I mean, in in the interest of time... We're going to name these women, though, right? These... Yeah. You know what? I'm just so mixed up in my head right now. It takes a lot of mental energy for me to... <laughs> It took a lot of mental energy for me to not name her that I have to give myself permission to name these women here. So you done good, kid. Thank you, girl. You've done good. So the week that Jason was out gallivanting in the hills of Quebec with his husband and gorgeous little dog, uh, Anne Lee from the States, who had a crummy year, came back and won Tenerife. You know, the, the, the site of a tournament that Jason and I would undoubtedly play at in the future because we love that, you know, tropical lifestyle. So congrats, Anne. Um, and this week was a good week for Croatia because Donna Vekic won her first title in four years. She beat uh, the Danish girl Tossin in the final. She had not won a tournament since Nottingham four years ago. And um, suck it, Vavrinka. <laughs> I'm winning titles and you're not Yeah, I mean She's doing more than just the same IG selfie that Oh, he are does you getting day. annoyed with his IG now? Listen, I I don't I'm not getting annoyed because I like looking at that face every day But it's just like, give us a different look, girl Like, you know with, We <laughs> yeah, always stop see sweating, you sweaty <laughs> Stop sweating on the, on the treadmill Stop showing us you drinking your coffee In the morning <laughs> Stop showing us on the practice courts Like, yeah, give us a different look You know, like maybe a, a bit more a wink, bit, wink. <laughs> a bit more. I'm surprised that you really haven't s listed Vavrinka as one of your like um, thirst daddies. Like he seems right up your alley. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for I sure. Mean, I, I, I ain't mad at it. <laughs> <laughs> but this is about Vekic. Okay, you're right. Let's focus on Vekic. So, congrats, Donna. Yeah. Four years is a long time. Uh, surprising little fact, Tossin, an 18-year-old that really no one's talking about, had no idea that she was vying for her third title this year because she won in Luxembourg, she beat Ostapenko, and she won in Lyon. 
and she beat some formidable players. So this girl's coming out of nowhere to have a successful 2021. Nice. And who's yeah. the other Croatian you were talking about that is having a bit of a small resurgence in 2021? Ah, well, it's uh, Mr. Marin Cilic. Yeah, I noticed that. So I noticed that. Um, I didn't get to watch the final. I was a little upset that I didn't. I don't find Chilich particularly enjoyable to watch. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I don't okay. think. I wonder if many of our listeners feel the same way. I think <laughs> that they would. Um, but he's having, a, you know, a little bit of a nice season. He won in Stuttgart. He beat our boy FAA, you know took away the chance for him to win his first title for the 10th time or whatever <laughs> number of times <laughs> it is. Um, and then he made the final last week mm. in, in Moscow. Moscow. And then he won the title this week in, um, in St. Petersburg against Fritzi. Okay, can we just rewind for a second? Yeah. Um, so my, the extent of my knowledge in Marin Cilic is that he's hella tall. He's Croatian. Uh, his beard game is on fleek. Do people say that anymore on fleek? Uh, maybe. I don't think so. I think I've just like <laughs> aged myself. Uh, so whatever. His beard game is on point. Uh, former U.S. Open champion, correct? 2014. That was the okay, year I see, went. Yeah. Wow. Okay, 2014. Yeah. So, I mean, not a pr- pretty long time ago. Like seven years is pretty, mm-hmm. pretty long. Okay. So you said that you you don't particularly enjoy watching his play. You have a feeling that our viewers and the general tennis public don't really enjoy him. Is it his attitude? Is it his game style? I mean, I I I think he's got a crazy amazing forehand, but is what is there to not kind of hold on to with Marin, do you think? I think there's a a bit of um a lack of energy in just sort of the general progression of the matches. I think when when things get tough or he's down and, or he's making a comeback, he can sort of get into the match in a way that a Raonic can't. Um, <laughs> but I think generally for, you know, the two hours, the two and a half hours, you might pick a different player to watch versus, versus uh, Marin Cilic. But you kind of root for him now because he's... You know, he's an elder Daddy. statesman, I mm-hmm. guess, in the in the tennis career um, definition. I think he's 31 or 32. Oh, my but, God. But he's that's an elder statesman. <laughs> <laughs> what are we in the crypt? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but he's won 20 tournaments. I know. I mean, the ATP headliner after he won in uh, what is it? St. Petersburg. Yeah. 20 tournaments. I mean, that's and one of those tournaments is a slam. So, you know, you look over the kind of the breadth of his career. That's pretty darn good. And 31 is not the end. I mean, how old is Andy? Isn't he like 34, 34? Okay, 34. You've still got time. I mean, Roger is really pushing it, I think. Yeah. But um, 31, you still have a couple good years left. So Chilich is actually 33. Uh, oh, okay. I'm just looking up his um, ATP tour profile at the moment. But mm. I, I bring this up because um, last week, I know we recorded that episode two weeks ago, but last week I asked you a question about him. <laughs> oh, you and did? He, yeah. And uh, I, th- I 
I won't quote you, but I, I can sort of paraphrase <laughs> you. I believe you said of of his chances to you know go deep in another slam or win another slam. I believe the statement you said was, mm-hmm. "Girl, bye." <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm still I'm not so much girl by. Okay, fine. You want me to you want me to comment on that? Like yeah. on <laughs> Yeah, what do you have to say? What do you have to say? Like you're basically saying, you know, bitch showed up in St. Petersburg and was like, hm, listen to Alden and Jason that podcast. Uh, <laughs> Alden said girl by watch this bitch. Um Okay, so okay, maybe it's not so much girl by right now, but it's maybe girl see you later. Like it's a softer Goodbye. <laughs> the, so, the softer side of Sears is what you're saying. <laughs> the, the softer <laughs> side of Sears. Okay, if it, uh, listen, I think, and then maybe you can add your two cents in. If he's going to make it, uh, if he's going to make uh, a run deep in a Grand Slam, would you not say that his best shot is going to be, I mean, he's won at the US Open before, so perhaps the U.S. Open, because he seems more like a hardcourt indoor player to me as, like, Mm -hmm. Clay, girl, bye. I'm still going to stand by that. (laughs) I mean, you know, aggressive players tend to do well in grass as well. So maybe he could do something at Wimbledon. Didn't he go deep in Wimbledon a a few times? Yeah, he made the final, um, lost to Federer. Uh, I think we watched that at my condo. We had oh. a we had a little breakfast at Wimbledon party at an, in our party room where we made pancakes. Oh, and, I and couldn't make was, it. Right, the match was hella boring. Oh yikes! I think Chilich had like a foot injury, or he had injured himself at some point during the match, and it was a quick victoire for for Federer. But guys, it it pays off to be Jason's friend. Like Jason is a good motherfucking friend. Like if you're his friend, he's inviting you to his space, his beautiful, gorgeous space that he's going, well, he always has lived in beautiful, gorgeous spaces, but particularly into the one he's going to move into with his partner next year, you know, let's throw a ready play tennis podcast party. (laughs) Oh my God, I'm speaking for you. Jason will do it up. He knows how to do it up, everyone. I know how to make strawberries and cream. That's for sure. So we'll ha- we can have a Wimbledon finals party, and maybe we'll you know do a contest and invite select listeners to come because it's Ooh. I mean it's not a hu- it's not a huge place by any means. But uh, we digress. Um, yeah, Chilich has chances. I think, like you said, on grass or hardcore, probably not on clay. The draw would have to shake out for him really nicely. <laughs> Or he would have to be on fire like the player who shall not be named. Gotcha. And that's not an impossibility for him. I mean, with a game style like his, when you are at your base a hard-hitting, aggressive player, all you need is a couple of matches to gain some confidence. And before you know it, you can string together seven matches and end up winning a slam. I mean, look at the player that I will never care about, Ostapenko. Uh, <laughs> you know, that happened to her. And unfortunately, her name has to be a winner in the Grand Slam book. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know you're. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm never so, about so her. So mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I think what's been helpful helpful to Chilich's cause is that he is now starting to win, and he's now getting his ranking back up. When your ranking is sort of in the low 30s, you're always going to be playing top players earlier. So if he can keep, you know, getting his ranking up and uh, maybe make a nice run in in Paris, he'll have a seeding uh, for the Australian Open and uh, have a better shot. Uh, there and, and into 2022. Okay, so you know, I feel like you are. If you're, I feel like you're giving, you're putting Chilich into a category of like I'm going to positively support the, this player. Not that we negative. I was going to say not that we negatively support players, but maybe that's just me. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So I feel like you're having a moment with him. Like you're feeling him. Yeah, bit. I'm feeling him a little bit, but I'm also feeling like we've given him enough time in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> we love you, Marin. Keep going and living your beard life and winning matches and proving Alduin wrong and making a deep run in a slam. Okay, excellent. Uh, a player that I'm feeling a little bit bad for is Struff because that <laughs> guy won the first set against Fritz um, and then Taylor was, I think, even struggling in the second set, but he turned it around and took that took that match and took that semi in St. Petersburg. And this guy is another player, I guess, <laughs> elder statesman-ish. 30, he, I think, is actually 31 <laughs> and uh, has not yet won a title. He's like in the pospisal category. <laughs> Hasn't he got, gotten so close this year, though? I feel like in our coverage of the tour, Struff is a guy that has had so many opportunities and chances in the tournaments that he's entered this year. We've talked about him going deep quarters and semis, but just can't seem to put it together when it counts. I mean, again, when you look at his year in review, I don't think that he's going to be disappointed with his results because consistency is better than, I mean, I don't know. Is consistency better than like winning a tournament and then flunking out and everything else early? I'm not sure. But um, I, he can't be mad at how he's done, to be honest. Yeah, I think he, I think he wants to win a title, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. You're right. At the <laughs> end of the day, that's what you're remembered for. Yeah. Yeah, you remember for how many titles you win. And, it, you know, Pospisil has a double slam. So, okay. <laughs> the underhanded shade is back. She's back. Um, Pospisil has not won a singles tournament? No. No. Uh, has he been in a final? finals? He's made a couple finals. He made the finals in, uh, was it Antwerp that Sinner won this year? Uh, that yeah. was the uh, That was the final, I think, that he was in last year. Okay. I think, yeah. So, yeah. Tough go. Poor. And I think he was in the final in Washington and lost to Roundage. That was a couple years uh, ago. All Canadian final. That's yeah. right. I remember that vaguely. Yeah. yeah. Um, we kind of just quietly um, transitioned to the men. And I know there's um, a, a women's story we want to talk about towards the end so maybe we'll just save it towards the end and talk about vienna oh gosh the vienna sausage fest yeah <laughs> have you first of all have you had a vienna sausage i mean i think i must 
it's you basically get it like Dollarama. It's <laughs> you know in those tall, small tins, and they're like little like uh, cocktail wieners. <laughs> I don't think I can de- definitely say I've never bought a sausage at Dollarama. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guilty. <laughs> um, let it. Let's talk about Vienna because you know my ex boyfriend was the number one seed, but no one really cared about that. You know, no, no offense. I mean, talk about talking about Muguruza and the um, experience that she brings, and the titles, and um, just general kind of. Uh, accomplishments that she brings onto the court it can be intimidating to players even though she's playing like not well right now i kind of think that's where steph is right at the moment i mean Mm -hmm. he had a great beginning of the year um kind of has flopped around from the national bank open until present day not really doing anything at any tournament and though he carried the number one seed i mean were people really were people really thinking he was going to come out of Vienna as the winner? I mean, I wasn't, and I dated the guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you he's, know, um, you know, since he's ended his relationship with you, or you ended it with him, I forget how that story went. Um, okay. <laughs> he's uh, struggled. He's um, since the French Open final and all the bathroom gate stuff. He's yeah he's struggled. Yeah, I mean, like, don't you think that um, Tsitsi is having the the same end of year as Zverev had last year? I mean, it's not really comparable, the toilet gate stuff versus the, you know, domestic violence stuff, but it's still negative press for that player. And I think he's just been, uh, he's not as vocal or present on social media. At least I, I don't know whether you've noticed his stories, but I think he's just taking a bit of a break because the external kind of negative um, comments about all of the bathroom gate stuff, I think maybe he's taking a bit of a toll, a toilet. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to... <laughs> a toilet. <laughs> he's a sensitive soul. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, so some of these things have gotten to him, and we talked about it, the whole Murray stuff got got to him big time because he looked up to or looks up to Murray so much and to be comparing his toilet breaks to the length of time it takes Bezos to go to space was hurtful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean leave it to Annie to speak truth to power, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Vienna tournament. I watch it every year. I think it's one of the best tournaments um of the year. Okay. One of the reasons why um, is you when you look at the draw, they tend to attract um, some of the best players. Obviously, the, there's no big three, and there was no Medvedev, and there was no hometown boy in team, but mm-hmm. everyone else uh, seemed to be there. And uh, they just do a really good job, and the players are obviously attracted to the, the city and the history and the music, and, you know, it's the home of uh, Beethoven and there's a different kind of string that they use on the court obviously it's the tennis the tennis racket strings yeah yeah listen I mean we are joking about this you know we spoke briefly about it in Transylvania but you and I could infuse a level of just fun and kitschiness like if you're gonna have a tournament in Vienna the easy analogy that you're gonna make is the one that you just did with the strings so why couldn't they do something like 
a music themed uh, backdrop. They play Beethoven. No, Beethoven. Beethoven wasn't Austrian, yeah. was he? Oh, he was. Okay, so like you know, play some Beethoven. Like, come on, y'all. Like, it, this these are too easy of a comparison to make. Mm-hmm. So, one thing I heard about the um, the secondary court that they were using was they put it like right in the city center, and it was something mm. that people could just pop in and watch the matches, and it was like ten euro or something. What? I would have liked to have seen what that court looked from the outside. Bitch, um, let's go next year. We should go. It would be amazing. Oh my god, um, die! But this tournament, I think, was a great event this this particular year. It had some really amazing matches, and it had the sort of full emergence of Francis Tiafo in my oh, opinion. I, okay, so I was going to ask you, I mean, the story to come out of Vienna is clearly Francis, although Zverev won the tournament. Like, what do you think it was about Francis and his... I mean, we've always known that he's been talented. His U.S. Open and his knack for firing up the crowd to his advantage is kind of a Tiafo signature. Um, but was there maybe a change in his play? What was what, what did you find that was different about Francis this, tur- this tournament that made him so successful? Uh, well, I think he definitely knows how to take advantage of the crowd and get them on his side. Like, that's one of his biggest strengths. Um, we'll have, I'll share a little bit about that in a second, because uh, one of his opponents didn't particularly like those <laughs> tactics. But, you know, he was definitely on fire, even when he was behind in... Uh, in the semifinal, he was behind a set and three love, and you think that he's out, and he just sort of slowly will try different things. Um, he's obviously a very talented uh, shot maker. Uh, mm-hmm. He's surprisingly good at the net. He has a bit of an unorthodox slice, backhand slice, but that seems to work. And he's he has variety that is a is un goes unnoticed i think like he'll hit he'll be hitting a cross court um cross court rally um back uh, cross court to cross court and then he'll just sort of hit a a looping uh cross port ball sort of changing the speed and it Mm -hmm. will um you know cause his opponent some challenges so i think all around he he has variety that other players who um or maybe in his his ranking point and his his range um, don't really have, which is an upside for him, I think, going forward. And what what caused him to be so successful uh, in Vienna and beat you know Tsitsipas and Schwartzman and Sinner. Hmm. Yeah, I think shot selection can go either way. I think that if you have poor shot selection, uh, you're going to lose, and if you're willing to play different and, you know, throw in some variety, it can work to your advantage. And I think he's just been on the losing end of matches previously because he might not really think out a point before throwing in an unorthodox shot. But now things seem to be clicking. It's kind of like Shay. It's kind of like Shay to use a women's analogy. You know, she obviously has every shot in the book and when she can put it together, she can be very effective and confuse players. But when she can't, she just gets, you know, she doesn't make the right shot at the right time, which I find Francis did a lot before 
for the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Francis has, you know, power on both sides, backhand and forehand. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one thing he has, I th- obviously he's he's teamed up with Kyrgios before, so I mm-hmm. think there's probably a few comparisons in terms yeah. of his... For sure. Um, his likability as a player and his ability to engage the crowd, but mm-hmm. he's a bit more respectful of <laughs> the ele- those elements of the game when he's on court in terms of engaging the crowd. And, you know, he doesn't yell at fans who maybe <laughs> are egging him on. I don't think anyone really would egg um, Tiafo on in the same way they egg on Kyrgios. Yeah, but I mean, having said that, Maybe this is a nice segue, but he has been... Oh, you're cold? Are you cold? I'm a little cold. <laughs> Gosh. My, yeah, I'm in my office and it's cold. <laughs> um, he has been kind of targeted for a bit of gamesmanship. Like, you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, so I think players... Uh, there's a certain amount of focus that you have to have as an opponent of TFO when he's engaging the crowd and he, you know, will hit a nice shot or or will we'll miss a shot and will stare back at you as his opponent. Um, there are things that he did in the Zverev match that were interesting. So Zverev was serving pretty unbelievably um, and into the sec in the third game of the second set he I think had had hit two aces and it was 30 love and Tiafo decided he was going to stand near uh, the center line as opposed to you know where you would usually stand in the in the towards the middle of the box and uh-huh. um, so it became a bit of a, a funny moment for the for the crowd <laughs> uh, and for Zverev sort of taunting him to hit it uh, wide and he hit an ace and then the 40 love point he sort of did the same thing um, and just stood there and watched the serve go by him so he he plays uh, uh, with the crowd um, in a different way was willing obviously to sacrifice a game that he was down 30 love in to try and engage the crowd and so he did some of that too in his match with Yannick Sinner he'll like mm. you know engage with the opponent as the changeover across the net and like nudge or like say make a little comment um which I think can get um into a player's head and you know one of the things that he said in his post-match win against uh Sinner was that um, he admitted to sort of cracking jokes as a strategy and to see if he was getting uh, a, the opponent off the game. And this, in this particular instance, it was Sinner. Um, in the post-match interview, um, Yannick kind of s- indicated that he felt Tiafo went a bit too far in terms of uh, engaging the crowd. He said he did too much. One thing is when you do the show... The other is when there is no more respect. I don't know what <laughs> happened, but today it went a little further. So this was, uh, I think, translated from Italian. So mm. maybe the translation is a bit off, but clearly Sinner felt like some of the antics, some of the crowd engagement, some of maybe the refrains to Sinner himself as the opponent or some of the things that might have happened in the in the the crossover at the net during changeovers was maybe a bit too much and it got into Sinner's head and he blew a three love lead, a four one lead, a five two lead in the mm-hmm. second set and ended up losing the match. Uh, I mean, 
where do we begin to dissect this? I mean, the only point of reference that you and I can kind of share is whenever we're playing our matches, we have never played for a crowd. I mean, the closest <laughs> that you and I have ever played, uh, the closest that you and I have ever gotten to playing in front of a crowd, I think is in Detroit because the viewing is, is it makes it easy for people to watch your matches. Yeah. Now, I mean... I didn't play a player that was riling the crowd up. I mean, by crowd, it was like five or six people. But this is the year that I was in my A semifinal against Shelby, who is a college-trained player. And she was demolishing me six-love, four-love or something like that. And she was just, like, hitting winners all over the court, like the player from Estonia that shall remain nameless. And I remember her bevy of friends were like, you go, Shelby. Yes, girl, yes. And I'm like, bitch, she's winning six love, four love. <laughs> like, come on now. Like, that's annoying. So, I mean, to kind of tie it back to Tiafo, it can be very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It can be destabilizing when you're playing someone that's also, you know, getting the crowd and all the other kind of factors on their side. You know, not only do you have to play Tiafo, but you have to also play Tiafo plus the crowd, which, you know, if we make a comparison, that's very much like Jimmy Connors, you know? So yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I can, I can empathize with how Yannick felt after that match. Yeah. So I, I sort of watched, looked online after the Instagram and, and, you know, Zverev obviously took the title, but there were people, um, I guess, commenting, and there was a lot of the clown emojis mm. um, <laughs> com- saying that Tiafa was sort of acting clownish on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some comments uh, or some um, some people saying that they felt that maybe that was a little bit racist. I don't. I didn't read all of the comments, so I don't know if if calling his behavior clownish is is sort of racist in any way i think you know he he has some antics and he's very animated and that is in many ways good for the sport and it's good for the crowd and it's obviously entertaining and it's definitely a more positive take on it than someone like curios for Mm -hmm. sure for sure um but it can be distracting and and sinner felt um that it was but also zverev in his speech in taking the title said how great Tiafo is for the sport. So I take, I take the good, um, the good side of him. I think he's thoroughly entertaining again, you know, hearkening on curious. Uh, he would say that Tiafo's someone who's going to sell tickets in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know that I would want to be his opponent when he's, you know, ribbing and trying to have fun and I'm trying to focus. Yeah. I mean, listen, Zverev said that because he won the tournament. It would have been a completely different story I mean, who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have been, but I mean, the, he loses to the guy. Is he going to be as complimentary to him if those exact tactics that Francis employs during a match caused him to lose? You know, like, let's get real for a sec. I mean, he's right. not going to be like, oh my God, he's so good for the sport. Like, after losing the final, like, that's that to me would not <laughs> have happened. Maybe, yeah, maybe he would have used the bathroom break comment like he did in Cincy. <laughs> yeah, let, come on, girl. Let's let's be real here. Let's be real. I 
I thoroughly enjoyed watching him all week. I loved watching his match against Schwartzman. I liked watching the crazy match and the turnaround uh, he mm-hmm. made against Sinner. And I was entertained. The final was, was also thoroughly entertaining. So uh, definitely agree that he's good, uh, good for the sport. And let's be honest here. He is the only one that lo- doesn't look like he's going to serve you a side of fries in that Nike kit. <laughs> He doesn't. Sure. Like, he looks so good in that red, but, like, every other player in that Nike kit looks like they're going to either offer you a milkshake with an extra purchase of medium-sized fries or is uh, going to get your change wrong at the, um, you know, at the, what you call at the drive-thru. Yeah. Like, come on, Nike. Let's get yeah. together. Yeah, it's. I think it's the... It's the short choice. He's chosen the, the shorts that are the same color as the shirt, so it doesn't Ooh. look like... Babe, I'm not looking. I'm not looking at the shorts. <laughs> the shorts I'm not, look good on him, though. <laughs> oh, they look very good. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> from but all Sinner, angles. <laughs> Sinner's out has the same sort of, uh, well, not the same color kit, but the same Nike kit. But he chose the white shorts, and I don't know, not great. Yeah, like he looks like he's earning seven dollars and twenty five cents <laughs> at his first job at like you know I don't know a rural McDonald's in Italy. I mean, minimum wage here is fourteen dollars and ten cents. <laughs> Is it really now? Wow. Talk about how old I am. (laughs) Um, So Zverev now has five titles on the year, tying Mm -hmm. Casper Ruud. The only difference is Zverev does not have a 250 title. (laughs) And Ruud only has 250 titles. I mean, five 250 titles over zero titles is better. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Says Struff and Pospisil. <laughs> exactly. Who else? Felix. Felix, right. Um, so he has also won, uh, well, not as many as the player who shall not be named, but 24 of his last 26 matches. Yeah, he's on fire. I mean, listen, I, I made the executive decision to post about Zverev. I believe the last time we posted something stagnant on our wall about him was when he won the gold medal in Tokyo. And he deserved every bit of that post because this time last year we had posted his, you know, personal troubles. You know, it's, I won't say it's unfortunate, but we kind of feel it's part of our um, job to post any kind of tennis headline. So it's good and positive news that we are posting about Zverev in based on his tennis and how well he's been doing on the court because he really had a crummy 2020 and he really turned it around. He really made a difference in his life and now is just winning all the titles. So good on him. Yeah. And, you know, the... Tour is doing the, their investigation, and we'll talk about that when that sort of takes shape. But now we have his tennis to talk about. And yeah. he won that match in Acapulco, which at the time I thought was an amazing match against Sitsi, even though it was straight mm-hmm. sets. Um, he's won the Olympics. He won in Cincy. He won somewhere on the clay. Was it Was it um, Rome? No. Berlin? Didn't he win in Berlin a couple he times? He won in Madrid. He won in Madrid. Oh, Madrid, that's right. And then uh, he won in Vienna, the tournament <laughs> wow. we are going to go to next year. Yeah, oh my gosh, I have to take some time off for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I think one of the the other things that is obviously interesting uh, for the men is 
the race to the world tour finals in Turin. It has moved mm. to Turin after I think a decade in London. Yeah. Uh, and there's really only a few players that um, have a chance. Actually there's four. I think there's six spots confirmed and two spots remaining. And those are up for grabs really between I think Sinner and Rude. And then Herkatch and Nori have uh a slight chance as well um, and FAA has a very very remote chance and I think a lot of things would have to fall into place for FAA um, the titleless player to make the European championships yeah he's not he's not but girl, that's bye. okay like girl see you next year like you, next you know year. see you next year well you um, you can go back to the drawing board just like Mugu is going to do and, um, you know, and see how you can turn your season around uh, starting in January. Yeah. Is he playing? Felix is playing in Paris, is he not? Yes. I think yeah. all, the, all, the, all the biggies are playing in Paris and Djokovic is back. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Paris. So the way that you feel about Vienna is the way that I feel about Paris. I mean, for sentimental reasons, because I lived in Paris. Right. But I think that the the way that Bercy looks on um, tele on television is just so beautiful to me. It's nice to watch. I just love the color of the court. We've talked about lighting, which is you know a subtle detail when. Tele uh, tennis is televised but um they have the lighting down pat and just the kind of the closeness of the spectators i think is really special so you know you watch these highlights of tournaments that take place where there are no spectators and even then where the spectators are so far from the court it just feels empty and hollow but percy 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 <laughs> feels so intimate and i think that's why it has um, such an appeal for viewers and for spectators that are watching it live. Yeah, it's going to be good. I'm it's going to be good. Forward to watching it. Some of it has already started. Um, mm -hmm. So we know that Andy Murray uh, blew seven match points and lost. Oh, poor Andy. But he's still he's still one to watch. Obviously, he's not going to be at the year end championships, but we'll see him in 2022. Hopefully, mm -hmm. uh, continuing yeah. his form. Um. We wanted to talk about Canada. Oh, all right. Le Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 we just we should have I guess started that segue by talking about France because it was France v, v Canada in the Billie Jean King Cup, the new the the renamed Fed Cup, Billie Jean King Cup. Yeah, so on the WTA tour this week, there's not a lot of, there's only two 125 level tournaments. Many of the players are teaming up in Prague. Originally, I believe it was supposed to take place in Budapest, but they um, unfortunately could not host, so they had to scramble for another host city. Prague stepped up to the plate, and uh, Canada had a tough task in their group because they are paired with. Russia or the Russian Tennis Federation and France were last year's winners. And f let's just give a fucking clap clap to Françoise Abanda, who, you know, has done really not much other than take really cute filtered stories of herself going to the club and hanging out with friends. 
hi Francis. Thanks for shouting us out and saying hi and looking at our IG stories and all of that. Um, but she had a really clutch win to start off Canada's day. She beat Pharaoh, who you know um, hasn't had the most success, but has definitely had pretty substantial wins over her year and a half. And uh, she pulled that six four and six four in the second and third sets. And mm-hmm. Becca. Becca played doubles with Gabby mm-hmm. Dabrowski. Yeah. I mean, uh, she, listen, they placed Becca against Alizé. So I'm assuming that's going to be like the, if there's like a comparison of line one, line two, that would be your line one match. Um, and Becca hung tight with Alizé. Like yeah. it was six, four, seven, five, something like that. Yeah. So, you know, Becca continues to show that she can hit with the big girls and that she belongs you know, in that category of tennis players. So congrats, girl. And uh, Gabby Dabrowski, double specialist. Like, come on now. You're going to pair with Becca Marino. I didn't really have any doubt that they were not going to win against Burrell and uh, Cornet. So that's a huge upset, taking out the defending champions. Yeah. So what's next uh, with with the, the Billie Jean King Cup? Where, who does Canada play next? So they face Russia. And so the way that it works, it's 12 teams in four groups of three. And the winners of those groups end up in the semifinals on Friday. So essentially, you know, Canada is not out of the woods yet. They have to, if they win against Russia, it's pretty much a done deal. So, but it's a tough task because they have Pav. Pav is there. Mm-hmm. Kasatkina is there. I believe Alexandrova is there. I don't know who the fourth player it is. It might be Kudermatova. Um, but you know, a very difficult team. And if that were the case, let's say they lose to Russia, then yeah, they might have to go in a playoff against. Well, it depends on how um, France does against Russia in their right. matchup. So yeah, cool. But I'm congrats, to, Canada. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I saw Pav wore like a hippie wig to the press <laughs> oh, conference. Yeah. She, you know, she's got a cool vibe. I think her and Kasatkina, Daria, were um, in the Halloween mood. And they dressed up. Kasatkina, I think, was wearing a wig, too. That's cute. I like that. Yeah. She's fun. Yeah. Kasatkina? Like, uh, a Pav. I would like to hang out with Pav. I think she'd be Yeah. Cool. She's so cool. I love her. And the American team, they were carving um, uh, pumpkins. They were making jack-o'-lanterns. Oh, that's fun. See, that's yeah. fun. We need more of yeah. that. Yeah, it was cute. They were in the Halloween spirit. Anything else on your list besides our doubles match this past weekend? Shout out to Jeannie. Uh, Jeannie is obviously still recouping from her surgery. Uh, she really got into the Halloween spirit. Did you Did you catch her story? I saw a post of her outfit, but I couldn't decipher who she was dressing up as for Halloween. Oh. Oh my God, do you not watch Family Guy? No, I do not. Meg. So Meg from Family Guy, but like <laughs> like scandalous. Escandalo. Right. <laughs> A little revealing. The, they were. I saw short shorts. That's what I remember. Short shorts, crop top, beanie, like colors on point. You would look at her and be like, that bitch is Meg for sure. But <laughs> yeah, she looked on fire. She looked great. Did she pull out her two-year-old pumpkin from her closet and put it out at her stoop? <laughs> no, no such story. No we should such ask IG her about story. 
<laughs> that's gross. How do you keep a pumpkin in your closet for two years? <laughs> Doesn't that smell? So, uh, backstory: she posted on her IG stories a pumpkin that she found in her closet from like <laughs> a long time ago. It had rotten and was disgusting, and we asked her why, and she was unsure why it was there. <laughs> I mean, there must have been like a maggot situation. There must have been some yeah. kind of like critter situation going on. Yeah, I and it must. I mean, it must have been around from last Halloween because like she sort of pulled it out and put it in her stories like two or three months ago. So it had to have been close to like eight or nine months old. And that's what he said. <laughs> that's what listen that's why i don't do jack-o'-lanterns the aftermath is just a hot mess like yeah. i don't want to get into it nothing good comes of that unless you're skilled with like roasting and seasoning them seeds uh-huh a good pumpkin seed is delicious i have to yeah. say agreed um <laughs> what was not delicious was our play on saturday <laughs> okay go ahead go ahead uh i mean i really <laughs> have nothing to say i think we started off uh not so well we went down three love this was our mm-hmm. first official match um in doubles since holding the secondary trophy in montreal uh two months ago mm-hmm. uh and then we we embarked on a little bit of a comeback it was on serve and then we got broken because they started looping us um and then we did not do well in the second set yeah, I mean, okay, a couple things here. A, I think that you and I, for me, I mean, I did say initially that we're going to use this season to just have fun and experiment. But as I said to you after our, you know, our complete demolition and self-destruction, um, <laughs> you know, it's hard to have fun when you're losing, which is true. I mean, when you're not hitting the ball and it's all going out, it's definitely not fun. But having said that, you know, I'm tinkering with a one-handed forehand again. So I obviously had expectations that it was not going to be on point because, you know, that's a shot that I've been trying to play and practice for a few years. And, you know, when you're playing a team like Wakaba and Joe that literally play tennis every opportunity that they get, I mean, Wakaba is crazy solid at the net. Joe has always been an amazing solid player. Um, so, I mean, I didn't really, not that I didn't, I expected to lose, but I knew that playing someone, playing a team that had, you know, had consistently played week in, week out, it was going to be tough for us because, you know, when we practice, we play well together, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So. Agreed. I have nothing much more to add, uh, other than my knee still clicks every <laughs> third or fourth step when I'm playing so (laughs) still trying to figure that out and figure out the movement situation Um, but again I have gotten the okay to play doubles so I'm going to continue to do that and just Mm -hmm. sort of hit slash practice in singles I had never played uh, Wakaba so didn't really know how good she was Mm -hmm. and uh, I know how good Joe is because played him and won and lost and we've played doubles together um, in tournaments so yeah, they're they're tough, um, and we're playing a two, which is a step down from a year and a half ago. But it seems like the right place for us to to be, and we'll see um, with the few matches left because we have not played any other than this one. <laughs> <laughs> How well we do, but our team has has uh, pulled us along, and it looks like we'll get to um, compete in the playoffs. <laughs> 
Thank you to the rest of the Lamona Halep team for carrying our asses yeah. all the way to the to the playoffs. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, we're going to carry our asses through the rest of this tennis season. It has felt long, um, mm. but it has been mostly enjoyable, like Vienna, like Bercy is going to be, and like these uh, year-end championships are going to be. So uh, we have a few more episodes. Can't believe it. We have like three left, I think. Three yeah, or four. Three. three or four, yeah. Three. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not counting yet. I don't <laughs> want it to end. Oh, guys, Merch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We we are gonna have merch soon, like real soon, like in like soon, soon. <laughs> you saw you saw our story on the weekend. We have talked about it, and it's one zillion percent going to be soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the WTA fixing their tennis TV site <laughs> soon. All right. Until next week, y'all. Bye. We're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment, or whatever it is. But if you like what we're serving up, please give us a five-star review and like, share, and subscribe, and like such as. Wait, one more thing. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.